What's up, you guys? It's your girl, Jay Tan, and welcome back to The Hustle Theory. It has been a crazy month with just moving to LA. I have been super busy and honestly have been taking some much-needed time for myself, but I'm still so sorry I didn't get an episode out last week, but I knew I had to make sure I get you guys an episode out this Wednesday before the end of the month, especially because it's Pride Month. And today, we are celebrating Pride Month with our amazing guest, Mitchell Mayen. I was connected with Mitchell through one of my best friends since I was in high school. So shout out Levi. Thank you for helping me get this amazing human on the hustle theory. But without further ado, let's get right on in it today. Mitchell, do you mind introducing yourself and just sharing your story with us? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for uh, reaching out and having me on today. Um, I'm looking forward to the conversation, so I appreciate that. But my name is Mitchell Mean. I'm a teacher in Chicago. Um, I'm originally from the Pittsburgh area and moved to Chicago just a few years ago, so I'm kind of finishing up my third year here in Chicago. Uh, like I said, I'm a middle school teacher. I teach 6th, 7th, and 8th grade here for Chicago Public Schools, and uh, just finished up my what was it, seventh year as a teacher um, just last Wednesday. So celebrating my first week of summer vacation this week. That is awesome. That is awesome. What got you into teaching, if you don't mind me asking real quick? Yeah, no problem. So I think if you uh, kind of ever talk to a teacher and ask how, what got them into education, my story is pretty similar to most of the ones that I've heard before. I'm just really connected with some teachers. Um, mine were specifically in middle school, so kind of like seventh and eighth grade that really had – a pretty strong impact on me and in school and um, I just knew that that was something that I kind of wanted to to move forward with in terms of a career so after high school I you know went to college for secondary education and um, completed my undergraduate and graduate programs in education just looking for an experience where I could um, you know eventually be a similar role model to the ones that I had when I was in middle school that is awesome. And I really do love how you said that you had those teachers that you really looked up to because I honestly, I have a lot of teacher friends. And let me tell you, I feel like teachers are so underrated. I don't think people really understand that teachers are guiding our future leaders, creators, innovators, all of that. And without you guys, our world would not be the same and would not be able to have these, you know, amazing engineers or, you know, other teachers or just other leaders in other industries. So thank you so much for all that you do. And I'm really happy that you are doing this because you love inspiring others and kind of giving that same guidance to our youth today. So because this is a pride episode, do you mind just kind of sharing your journey with coming out and just your sexuality, how you identify yourself and all those great things? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess I can take it back to the beginning. Just like I remember growing up and just feeling like something was different about me, but didn't really know how to identify or like how to describe it or how to like phrase it or label it or anything like that. Um, so I, I mentioned I'm from Pittsburgh. I grew up in a pretty affluent white suburb in Pittsburgh, middle to upper class. There was working class families there, but it was a pretty wealthy area. Everybody was predominantly white and everybody looked the same and kind of just was the same. There was never any, any talk about you know, anybody being gay. I didn't know any gay people. I, nobody in my school was out or I didn't have any of those like role models to look up to. So fast forward, moving through college, same kind of thing. I started to meet some other people who, you know, were out a little bit more comfortable, maybe didn't talk about it as much, but they, you know, in smaller settings would, would open up a little bit more. So again, still just kind of felt like 
I knew something was different about me. As I went through college and grad school, started to kind of figure out what it was, but was really, I guess I'd say like defensive with myself and, and just in the sense that I didn't want it to be true. Like I didn't want to come to terms with the fact that um, I knew I was gay and I didn't want, basically didn't want to be. So I was very much in the mindset that if I like suppress those feelings and if I don't think about it, if I don't talk about it, and if I just kind of will it to not be true, um, then it won't be. So that's kind of the the mindset that I took. And I just suppressed a lot of feelings for a really long time until I started to get a little bit older moving into my mid twenties. And then I realized just one day, almost kind of like the flip of a switch that this is stupid. I spent my time through middle school and high school and college, just really trying to impress people and really caring a lot about what other people think. And this was a big part of that. And I was, I know I was concerned about what people would think if you know, if I was gay and if, you know, what my friends think, what my family think, that kind of thing. So I suppressed it for so long. And then finally, it just got to the point where one day and I was like, why do I care? Why do I, you know, this is making me really unhappy. This is making me anxious. Um, you know, I, I know this is a big part of who I am. So why am I, you know, suppressing it so much? So I finally just kind of, I guess, took that, took that leap, um, made the decision to, to come out, shared it with my close friends and family, um, had a really pretty overall positive experience with with how everyone who was close to me took took that and yeah from there it's just been i guess a happier life i would say wow so would you say that there's a reason why you might not have wanted to believe that you being gay was true because a lot of times especially now with social media i feel like younger kids might be able to look up to other people that they can identify with or can connect with or relate to because we have so many people from all around the world that they can see from like just their phone. But do you think maybe like how you grew up, how you were saying everyone kind of looked the same and, you know, wasn't, there wasn't anyone that you kind of felt like you were like, would you say that might be the reason why you didn't want to believe you were gay or anything else that might have led you to that? Yeah, that was definitely a huge part of it. Like, like I said, everybody was the same. I didn't know any gay people. I didn't have gay friends. They weren't in my circle. I didn't see them even in different circles at my, at my high school, at my college. Um, so just, that was kind of that idea of, I, I don't want to be the one, I don't want to be different than everybody else who's around me. Um, so then kind of, you know, post-college, as I started to one, just be a little bit more mature, you know, out traveling the world a little bit more, seeing different cities, um, meeting other different people, whether it was through my teacher network or through, um, just other networks, you know, I saw other people that were out and proud and living happy and, you know, good lives. And, you know, they're out there. And then so that kind of as I took more of that in and then learned to just really not care what people think about me anymore, that was kind of um, when finally I just made the switch and was like, you know, this is stupid. There's no reason to keep suppressing this. Um, I've known this to be true since, since as far as I can remember, since all the way back, I don't know, late elementary, middle school. So, you know, there really is just no reason to just continue to, um, to hide it. Yeah, absolutely. And so when you came out then, did you feel like you had the support that you were looking for? Were there people that, you know, that are in your inner circle or even people that are out of it that were like, oh, of course you are or something like that? They kind of already knew, but just didn't really say much about it. Yeah. So that's pretty much exactly like exactly what happened. All of my friends had that same reaction. My, you know, 
I grew up with a single mom, so I just have one parent. So it's just my mom. But when I told her, same exact thing. You know, the first thing she said is, you know, I'm not surprised. I've seen, you know, X, Y, and Z over obviously your whole entire life. Super supportive about it. So that, those reactions and that like love and that um, acceptance that I felt immediately certainly helped. You know, I didn't have the coming out process, I guess, is traumatic for different reasons for different people. Um, so mine was just more that kind of built up anxiety and, and waiting for so long. And, and what are people going to think? But then to be met with such like acceptance and love right immediately on the other side really helped me. Um, so I was lucky in that sense, because I know a lot of people don't have that same experience and they have maybe other comments that are shared or they don't have get that love from parents or from friends. And um, so I, I feel lucky to have to have had that acceptance. And it certainly made my coming out process much easier because then I had already made that decision to, you know, stop caring about what other people are going to think, um, just be happy, be proud to be yourself. And then once I shared it and people immediately were loving and accepting of it, then I was I, even more so like, okay, now if the people that are the closest to me, that mean the most to me, love me no matter what, then why do I care what a stranger thinks? Absolutely. And I, I really love that because I feel like a lot of us, so this is like one of my favorite quotes that we suffer more often in our imagination than in reality. And my biggest thing is as long as the people that you love and you care about are the ones that are there supporting you and the ones that are accepting of you, who cares? Who gives a shit about the people that are going to talk crap about you? Because they aren't the people you're trying to please. They aren't the people that you want in your inner circle and that you want around in your life because that's just not the good energy that you want, you know? And so do you have any advice for someone that is kind of feeling that anxiety to show who they really are and just kind of embrace that? Yeah, absolutely. So I can speak to just what helped me, which um, is kind of the story that I usually share with people. So you know, take it as advice, take it or leave it. Um, so I have something that I did that I think is helpful and that's something that I always suggest to not do. Um, so I'll start with the not first because this is also what I did. So I, when I was, you know, first coming to terms with this, I was looking online, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, just for people who I saw that had gone through similar experiences to what I was equating myself with. And I would reach out and, you know, I want to know everything about your story. How did it go? What did you do? How old were you? That kind of thing. And um, from what I've found just through my own journey and from talking with other people is just that you don't need to focus so much on what worked for someone else or what did someone else do or what made it easier, what made it more comfortable because everybody's story is going to be different. So like I said, you know, I worked through all those emotions and got to the point where I was, I told my friends and my family and then I was, had a good experience. I was met with nothing but love, respect, um, acceptance, that kind of thing. So I don't want to kind of hype people up and say, you know, this is what I did and it worked for me and now I'm happy and I was happy immediately because that's not always going to be the case for somebody. So I think my first piece of advice is just don't worry about what's worked for other people or what other people went through or what they did. Um, just, you know, cause that's, that goes back to, you know, how we kind of get that far to begin with just comparing yourself to other people and worrying about what other people think and, you know, how am I the same as somebody else? And um, so my first piece of advice is just don't worry so much about what worked for somebody else or other people's stories. Um, just kind of find what's going to work best for you. So then my second piece of advice that I think is a little bit more practical is um, I'm a really strong advocate for, um, for mental health and for therapy and talking to mental health professionals. Um, you know, I, I know that one of your, you did an episode for uh, mental health awareness month. Uh, so that's kind of my, my biggest piece of advice. So that was the first person that I talked to um, a stranger that made me feel better to kind of get that um, third party, you know, just really objective perspective from somebody who was, you know, clinically trained in 
mental health counseling and in, you know, maybe the coming out process or what those feelings, emotions could and would look like. Um, it made me feel better to be able to kind of talk through everything that I've been through throughout my entire life and unpacking different pieces of trauma and, you know, how did I get here and how did I, um, you know, what affected this and X, Y, and Z. And I just, I'm a really strong advocate for talking to somebody else who, um, if, if you're not quite ready to tell like a friend or a family member or somebody close, I just am a really strong advocate for therapy. And that, that helped me to, to talk through that with somebody um, to the point where I, I got more comfortable with it and was ready to, to share with, with friends and family. So those are my two pieces of advice. Thank you. And I am a huge mental health awareness advocate as in like therapy. I'm telling you guys, even if you don't think you need therapy, it's good for everyone just to talk about their feelings and just be self-aware. And, you know, just because you're gay does not make you any different of a person than, you know, another human being, you know, like you guys all have different things that you want to talk about. And like, you are just trying to find yourself and trying to embrace that. And that's the same with anyone else. Like if you don't know who you are and you aren't fully embracing it, it's going to be really hard for you to find that happiness in your life, you know, that genuine happiness. So I definitely agree that, you know, talking about things and just communicating. And I really loved how you talked about how you just reached out to people like randomly. I feel like a lot of people are kind of scared to do that. And while, you know, like you said, don't worry so much about other people's stories. I think it also still kind of helps in the sense that you realize that, yeah, not everyone's story is going to be the same, but everyone's going to have their own story. And you need to find your own story yourself. You are the main character of your life and you need to own that and you need to embrace that because if you don't, you're just going to be living this movie or this life of someone else's expectations and you're never going to be fully stepping into your own power and your full potential in your life. And so since, you know, you started going through all of that, have you, I guess, taken any time to educate others or, um, support other friends that might be having a hard time coming out or um, even strangers or in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. I do that whenever I can because I know that I didn't have anybody to, to reach or to turn to and it feels isolating in a sense. Um, so I always try and be that person for other people. Most of the people that I can think of um, who I've had those conversations with are complete strangers because for whatever reason, they feel comfortable seeing something that I've posted and reaching out to me on Instagram or social media and just asking questions. And I, you know, I'm always there to like answer, like, here's, here's a little bit about what I went through, but I want, I'm always telling people, like I said, I don't want you to focus so much on what worked for me and, and my story. Um, I'll share that with you. However, you know, you, you kind of need to find what, what works well for you. So I do try and, you know, share my story publicly whenever I can or reach out um, to other people and, and help answer questions, you know, if I can. I'm, I'm no professional by any means. I'm just, I'm just another gay guy who's just been through it enough that um, I'm always happy to help and talk through it. So um, another thing I do is I try and just post resources or other stories or amplifying other people's stories or amplifying other people's voices on my social media channels as well. Just if I see something that's fun or interesting or um, that kind of resonates with me or relates to me that I think people who follow me might relate to, 
um, I always try and share those as well. Just, you know, whatever I can find that, that might be what somebody needs to hear on a certain day. Yeah. So I'm just kind of curious, when you were growing up, did you have anyone, you know, like a celebrity or someone on social media that you kind of looked up to that helped push you into the direction of coming out that kind of just helped you step into embracing who you are? Honestly, no. And I think that's a big reason why, like why, I, you know, I didn't come out when I was in, in middle school or high school or anything like that, because even now looking back, like I really can't think of anybody who was like a strong, you know, celebrity or public figure who was out proud, widely, widely accepted, um, you know, strong, that kind of thing. I'm a little bit older. I mean, I'm in, I'm in my early 30s. So being in high school, I was in high school 15 years ago. I was in middle school 20 years ago, like that kind of thing. So it's been a while. Um, but yeah, even thinking back now, like I really can't think of anybody who like stood out as like a really strong presence, um, which then to me, I attribute to like being so comfortable and wanting to suppress like the idea of being gay for so long. Yeah. And so kind of just like representation, like in general in our um, society, society today. So I feel like a lot, especially like in entertainment, because, you know, as like kids, as just as people in general, people like to be entertained. And I feel like the entertainment industry and other, you know, marketing, branding things are really trying to push representation. So do you have any like thoughts on that? Do you feel like it's going in the right direction or do you think there might be like, like, do you have any improvements that might, um, that you think could happen or do you think it's like a good influence on our youth specifically? I do think we're headed in the right direction. I do think there's a lot of good things that happen. Um, for me, the issue that I see right now is just, um, that there's like conflicting messages from like the LGBTQ community versus the rest of the world. So um, for example, and I do think that I'm kind of um, in the minority with this opinion, but I know there's a lot of pushback from like my community when, you know, straight actors are cast to play um, gay roles and I don't work in movies. I don't work in Hollywood. I don't work in casting. I don't know how any of that works, but for me, like, I think it's so much more important for an eight-year-old or a 10-year-old or a teenager to see just that representation and to know that they're watching, you know, a gay love story play out on, on the screen and to, for that to just seem normal to them and for them to see it. Um, I guess just when I watch stuff like that, like, I, I'm happy to see that storyline because I didn't have that growing up. And I think a lot of the times now, from what I see maybe I'm in the wrong circles, but people from my community, their immediate response is, well, that actor's straight, so then why do they even make this movie? And I just don't feel like we're there yet to, to like say that the, the movie and the exposure um, and that isn't worth making um, just simply because of the way that actors identify. Now, suddenly, I'm sure that's probably offensive to people um, who are in, who are actors, who are, you know, gay actors, but I don't, like, again, I don't know how the casting works. So for me, working with kids, um, if my choices are to have them see, you know, the movie prom on Netflix, which was a huge thing last year, and my middle schoolers all loved that, and they, you know, think it's cool and interesting um, how, um, the, you know, whatever, the storyline plays out. Um, so for me, like, if the choice is having them have that experience or not having the movie because one of the main um, actors isn't gay, then to me, that's, I, I, I just like having um, the movie. So I just think that there's just, an, I, I think we're headed in the right direction, but I think I just see a lot of, um, 
of pushback from the LGBT community in terms of everything not being done the quote-unquote right way. And it's not like um, the right message in this sense. And I think sometimes that just the message itself getting out there and being more normalized and um, getting more exposure, to me, that's important because, again, I didn't have any of that growing up. So I think to just always shut that down um, is, is a problem that I see, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And after hearing you talk about that, I definitely agree. It's tricky because if I saw, because um, I'm Asian, so if I saw a white female playing me as an Asian or something like that, I'd be like, well, this person's not even Asian. But I do understand where you're coming from, where it is still important to at least share that message and have them at least see what, you know, see that in front of them instead of not seeing it at all. And so I think that the bigger issue might be that we just need more representation in general in the, like the leadership roles that kind of like cast those parts or that kind of like place, place that media in front of other people and kind of create that story or whatever it is and actually, you know, represent the representation the correct way that everyone kind of is expecting. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with that. And if obviously in a perfect world, I would rather, um, you know, those those gay actors or those any, you know, whoever, however they're identifying, be uplifted and, and earn those those roles. And that's where I'm saying, like, I, I have no concept of how casting works or how any of that works. Um, I have to assume that there is somebody available who is qualified to to fill that role. Um, so I guess then that is the issue with, you know, the process is they they aren't getting the exposure that they need. Um, but then I think that becomes a separate issue, and I don't have an answer for how to solve that. Um, but in the meantime, like I'm just happy to see the exposure and you know what we get, and I just don't think it's productive to always consistently and constantly shut that down and tear that down whenever. Um, I do think that it's it's a good thing. Um, maybe I'm just like a little bit jaded. Uh, maybe I'm like oversimplifying it a little bit because I work with kids every day. But I just know like they aren't thinking that they they aren't watching a movie with um, you know lesbian teenagers and and that storyline and thinking, hmm, you know who are these actual real people? you know, well, the one's not even a lesbian, so why are they making this? Like, they don't think like that. They're kids. And they just are liking seeing the exposure and they see themselves in one of those characters. And to me, that's much more important than, um, you know, fighting another battle about, I guess, I don't know, the appropriate representation. So I totally agree that the representation matters and it should be, you know, people from the community who are represented in those roles. But I just don't think we're there yet. Like there's already so many other fights and I'm just happy to like take one step. And I just feel like I, I, I'm just constantly seeing, you know, one step forward and two steps back because people aren't happy with like the one step that we got, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, like it, it's tough. A lot of these things like social issues and all that, it's tough. It doesn't just, it can't just happen overnight. So I get, you know, where people get angry, but I also, think that we need to not so much, you know, take what we can get because obviously like in some cases that can be very offensive, but like to just kind of take the little steps and take the little wins and just keep building on that rather than tearing that down. But, um, so other than, I guess, like movies, like do you, what other ways do you think that we can get that sort of, I guess, connection of kids seeing 
people like an LGBTQ in front of them other than do you see like books or like I don't think I've ever heard of a book at least off the top of my head that has like those storylines or I don't know I'm not really sure what other ways they can get that in front of them sure so social media is definitely a huge one right now I mean there's the if you talk to the kids they know people on TikTok or on Instagram or whatever um they know like who they're seeing, what to look for and, and what they, what they appreciate. Um, there is definitely a huge array of adolescent literature that has really strong LGBTQ themes, um, even early childhood literature. Um, I don't teach literature. I'm a science teacher, so I'm not as connected to that, but I certainly know where to look. And I think that that's where it's important for librarians and teachers and um, the people that are integrating, you know, and making those choices on what texts to expose their students to, it's important to um, infuse diversity of all kinds into the stories that you're um, showing to, to the students, um, whether it's you know, racial diversity or socioeconomic diversity, or even um, you know, just, just an array of, of everything needs to be considered when you're um, giving texts to students. Um, it should be, you know, from different cultures and from different countries. And um, you should, you should, um, you know, just find different authors that so that the stories aren't all the same, so that everybody in the class can can see themselves in some story or in some book or in some poem, um, and just feel, you know, more included in the classroom. So I def I think that's a huge, um, a huge way to, to give exposure to our um, to students and to kids today right absolutely and so since we're kind of like on that subject of education could you also just kind of like discuss your role as a general educator and what your school does for the community because i know since you said you're science it's kind of hard for you to integrate that like specifically into your classroom but what are like some resources that your schools are bringing or i guess new programs that the Chicago public schools are bringing that other school systems could kind of get ideas from? Yeah, so this is again where I'm lucky because I do work for, you know, one of the biggest school systems in the country who puts equity, diversity, all of that at the forefront of every single thing that they do. So even if and when I get pushback, okay, so let me preface by saying I have never gotten any pushback. But if I got pushback from parents or from, you know, adults who think that this isn't age appropriate or they don't want to see that their you know kids reading about this about about gay characters in in school um cps kind of puts those protections in place for us where it's like almost you know your answer can be too bad because they it's infused so much into every single thing that they do and they put such a high priority on it that it's so easy for us here in the city to to be able to do that um, and expose our students to you know, again, diversity of all kinds. Um, so I guess I am lucky in that sense. And I think that is also why I haven't had pushback. Now I know, I would say the majority of teachers that I know or who I'm friends with or who I went to college with or who I know in different parts of the country probably couldn't say the same thing. They couldn't just, um, you know, do, do the same things that I do. Um, so I think that just comes from, you know, districts and and states or administrators at, the, at a building level need to kind of make a commitment to um, to being able to to provide that learning opportunity um, and the, those learning environments for their students so now 
here in CPS, we have tons of resources. Um, we have different policies. We have, you know, protections that are in place for students in terms of, um, you, you know, like if, if they come out or if they share something with you, um, if they, their parents disagree with the decision that they're making, like we have policies in place where it doesn't matter and it's not up to the parents and, you know, we're supporting the student no matter what and we, it doesn't matter what the parent is saying. Um, so we have certain policies like that in place. So it's a little bit easier here for me. I love that Chicago public schools are very into, you know, the inclusivity and making sure that everyone feels that they're being heard. And I, so I heard this quote, or I saw this probably, I probably saw it on like social media or something, but it was basically like, if my child is old enough to get bullied for whatever, you know, whether that's being gay or being Asian or whatever makes them seem different from the rest, then they're old enough to learn about that and to, to be educated on like why other people might not fully accept them. Because like you were saying earlier, our kids are our future and they retain so much growing up that it's so important that we are, you know, nurturing their minds and feeding that growth. But it's also working the same way. If they are being fed trauma and being fed that negative energy or feeling like they can't be who they are, then that can have the opposite effect where like, you know, that creates those insecurities, it creates those traumas that carry on later in life. And so I think it's really important that people are talking about it at a young age because that's when people retain it the most. And that's when it doesn't have to be like, we're all older. And now it's like, we have to normalize this and we have to like take such slow steps to normalize it. But when you start at an early age, that normalization has already began and it already has started. And, you know, you don't have to worry so much about trying to get everyone on board because everyone's on that same wavelength. But I guess it is also really hard. Like you said, like a lot of your teacher friends, they couldn't say the same where they are going to get the full support of that. Do you have an idea of like what things people would push back on? Have there ever been like any issues that like you've heard from like other friends that don't have such an open, open-minded school system? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I can think of a hundred different things that, um, the teacher friends have, have shared with me about them simply just trying to integrate, you know, a certain novel into their classroom and the pushback they get from parents simply because the main character is gay, things like that. I mean, adults are just stupid and they will really get on people about almost everything. And it's really hard for me to give advice to other teachers because one, I've never put myself in a situation and worked in a school or a district where I didn't feel supported and I didn't feel like I could, you know, do what's best for my students no matter what. Have make choices to share and infuse any type of diversity or anything like that into my classroom. Now I understand that there's a lot of privilege with making that statement because other people can't just get up and move to a different school or a different city or a different district or whatever just because they're not feeling supported. Um, so I just I really don't have a good answer to this question because um, I've never been there and I have made difficult decisions to put myself in, you know, schools in a new city that I feel more, you know, more aligned with like what I'm looking to do. So for example, I came from a really good school, a really progressive school in Pennsylvania um, that was very affluent, um, predominantly white, provided lots of amazing opportunities for those students and for me and for my career. But, 
you know, at some point I kind of felt like I had tapped out with my potential there. And that's when I moved to Chicago. Obviously, a lot of people can't do that. You can't just drop everything, move to a new city just because you kind of get bored. Um, but that's what I did. And I, I specifically picked CPS because of their reputation for putting diversity and equity at the forefront of everything that they do. So for me, it's just about finding that support and just finding somewhere where you can thrive and, and be able to do things that align with kind of your ideologies and, and how you, you know, kind of want to live your life. Um, but I know that that's not possible. Um, it's not reality for a lot of people, for even most people, you know, some of my closest friends are, are stuck in really tough spots right now because their schools, you know, ask them to do things that they don't really feel comfortable with. So, um, my, I guess my advice is just to try, just to try and find the support that you need, whether it's from other teachers, um, rely on your teacher's union if you can, you know, build close relationships with administrators and just feel comfortable pushing back if you're not getting um, the supports that you need, because it's really important, I think, to, to, create, to create those learning environments for students and those students are everywhere. It doesn't matter what city you're in. Yeah, absolutely. And could you be just a little more specific on what sort of support that CPS does that maybe like not other? Can you talk about the out for CA schools? I saw that on your Instagram, so I wasn't sure what that was all about. Yeah, so that is something that's super simple. Um, I don't know a lot about the program itself. I know it's a national program. I did a little bit of research on it. Um, basically, that is the, the point is just to kind of infuse um, infuse like being out and proud into school systems across the country. So um, I'm not exactly sure how CPS uses the program, or I don't know if there's like a specific curriculum that you can teach with, um, with it. But from what I know about it and what I understand, CPS is enrolled in this Out for Safe Schools program, which um, provides and asks like teachers who feel comfortable or who feel safe, you know, being out proud visibly for their students just so that they can kind of see and know where to go whether it's you know publicly or privately um, know who, the, who students can talk students will know who they can talk to if um, if they are you know curious or identifying or exploring parts of their identity they, they can see and identify those adults in the building so um, as a part of that program I have this little like it's just like cute little ID thing that I wear on the back of my teacher ID. And it just like has this little rainbow thing on it. It says out for safe schools, says CPS on it. And students know, other teachers know that because I have that um, like on my person displayed visibly, that's my message to them that like you can talk to me. I'm safe. If you need to share something, if you need to ask questions, if you need help or support or be, to be connected with somebody um, for whatever it is, X, Y, and Z, for to keep you safe, uh, whatever it is. So it's, I guess I would say um, it's, it's a safety measure um, and just kind of a visibility piece for um, other students and adults to, to be able to see who's an ally, who's a safe person, who's a resource for them. Wow, that's so great that we have that set up for students because I guess it could be, because I know a lot of, when I was younger, I would always think of my teachers as kind of like either motherly or fatherly, you know, they were the people I looked up to, like you said, though, those were my superheroes. And to have that additional layer of support, I'm sure means a lot to so many kids across the US, the world. Obviously, please don't like say a name or anything like that. We want to keep it confidential. But have you ever had a situation where 
you know, a student or someone reaching out on social media said anything and they kind of reminded you, wow, this is why I do what I do. Moments like this is what fuels my energy to keep advocating for this or sharing my story or anything like that. Oh yeah, all the time. I think this year, even though we were remote teaching um, in Chicago until March, I think I had eight or nine students, um, I teach middle school, so sixth through eighth grade, who came out to me in some way, whether it was, you know, fully coming out, um, asking questions and saying, I'm just curious about this, Um, I'm identifying as this, Uh, I'm sharing this with you for the first time, or I just want to let you know that I've told my mom this, that kind of thing. I, I honestly lost count because there were so many, and I think it was up to eight or nine, and that was with not even meeting them in person until eight months into the school year. Um, so tons, I had tons of students um, this year that, you know, I was doing something that they felt comfortable with, that they were seeing, um, you know, again, back to that visibility piece that made them feel comfortable and, you know, wanting to share, wanting to take a step, wanting to open up, wanting to ask questions, that kind of thing. So that's obviously a huge driving factor for me as a teacher when I see that from, from my kids. Um, in terms of adults with online or with social media or just in real life, um, I do get, you know, like messages on Instagram. I wouldn't say like frequently, but from time to time, I, I will get somebody who says, you know, like I, I read this or I read um, your story or this really helped me, you know, a year ago or two years ago, I saw you posted this and, and, you know, maybe they struggled with it privately and then they kind of reach back out to say, you know, thank you for, for sharing that and, 2018 or something. And then, um, you know, it really resonated with me. You know, I've had two in the past week. Um, I'm a bartender part-time during the summer. So there was a guy who came up to me um, last week and he said, you know, thank you so much for reaching out to me and responding to my story um, six months ago or something. Um, I forget when it was, but he said, it really meant a lot that you said and shared whatever it was. Um, another one, it's this mom who's, um, in California actually. And then she really, really struggled with her son, um, and kind of parts of his identity, uh, not because she wasn't accepting because she was scared of, um, pushback or repercussions that he would get from, from being so open and being so comfortable. So just kind of talked through with me, like, you know, what can I do? What can I say? How can I help him without, you know, being overbearing? He's only 10, like this kind of thing. And she just, she'll send me updates every so often, like here's, here's what he's up to. Um, and she just sent me one over the weekend too. So I do have, I do get to see kind of, you know, with my students and then with other people, um, adults as well and get to feel, and I want to say feel my impact, but just like, you know, know that, that my words and my story and whatever I'm doing has helped people in some way. So it makes me feel good. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, the fact that parents are also thinking about like, wow, it's not that they're not supportive, but they're also worried about what sort of pushback that their kids may have to face growing up. And, you know, that's like really tough, especially if the parent has never had to experience it or maybe it's their first child or, you know, other, their other kids aren't identifying as something differently. And so I'm sure that's a problem that many people are going to have to face. So I'm happy that you said that. And I'm happy that you're there for that mother. And so I think that is why I'm a huge advocate for showing your vulnerability. You know, like a lot of people are like, oh, you don't have to share so much on so much of your personal story, blah, 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 on social media. And like, you know, you don't have to share it all, but for things like this or issues that aren't being talked about enough or things that 
are kind of just hard topics to discuss with other people, those moments are what I feel like are very important to share that vulnerability and put yourself in that position. Obviously, don't put yourself down if you don't do this often. But for me, it took me a while to finally talk about what I've been through in order to, I guess, give other people the courage to talk about it with me or someone else or have them do that self-discovery for themselves. And, you know, it took a lot of time before I could do that for myself. And now that I'm finally comfortable with doing it, and now that I do get people reaching out to me, it just is a nice reminder to know that sharing your vulnerabilities doesn't make you weak. And it's actually the opposite because you're out there and you're putting yourself out there, not for yourself, but for other people. And, you know, it doesn't mean you have to share every little thing. Like there are things that I'm still not comfortable with, but like you said, not everyone gets to see firsthand people that they relate to or people that they connect with. And that's really hard when you're struggling with something and you feel very isolated and alone. That's really tough for people to move past that situation or not turn it into this terrible trauma for them that's harder to get over later on in life. So I really enjoy that you are putting yourself in that vulnerable state and sharing those things and sharing resources on your social media because I think that's very important in today's society for sure. Do you have any advice for like allies to the community? in terms of, you know, education, support, whatever, if I'm more of just an ally, how would you say that I can be educating myself or making sure that I'm being considerate of others in the LGBT community? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, the biggest thing for me that I say is just to support the community when you can. And I I mean, this is something that people inside the community have to do as well, um, whether that's uh, financially supporting LGBTQ businesses or artists or, um, you know, just being kind of mindful and conscious of where, um, where that support is going and what that support looks like. So whether it's like monetary donations to, um, you know, certain organizations, I certainly try and share those, you know, share the ones that I donate to frequently, just kind of know where that money is going. This is another th- big thing that members of my community pushed back on this year was just, you know, there's always like this conversation about like corporate pride versus, you know, what actually pride is. And I do think there's something to be said for, you know, certain brands selling rainbow X, Y, and Z and and showing that visibility. And the big push from the community is that it's all like, you know, performative activism and, and that kind of thing. And which I agree with, but again, coming back to our conversation earlier, like I do think there is something to be said for the visibility. So some things that allies can do is just make sure, you know, if you're, if you're donating, if you're supporting artists, if you're supporting, you know, queer businesses, um, just kind of be a little bit more mindful about kind of where that where that money is going or where that support is going, um, which really isn't always easy um, because I know that people don't have like a regular person who's an ally doesn't have maybe the time, the resources, or even the know-how to to find you know queer businesses. Um, so that's one that you know if you can, if you're if you're able to, just kind of be mindful about you know where those where donations or where your support um, is going if you're if you're buying things. Um, the other one is just a little bit more simple, but also a simple idea, but it's you know kind of difficult to execute, is just to create spaces where queer people can thrive and be successful. So whether that is you know sticking up for them, whether it's um, not allowing like bigoted language to to be okay in your social circles, whether it's reading, doing research on your own, you know, reading queer authors or queer books, um, you know, just just kind of being informed and just just knowing, you know, what it means to be an ally. So I guess some internal reflection. If you're saying you're an ally, like what does that actually look like, and what what are you doing to make sure to 
to be an ally. So I guess some of that towards the end there wasn't actually an, an answer, but just reflect and think, you know, what, what does it mean to me, to yourself, to, to call yourself an ally? And what are you doing to, to make sure that you are being that support system that you're saying you're being? Absolutely. And I, I know you like were saying like part of that end wasn't much of an answer, but I feel like that what you said at the end was very powerful. That self-reflection is really important. I have to ask myself, what does that mean? Because people, a lot of times, you know, like for me, I'm Asian. So when like the whole Asian racing was kind of happening, or it still is, but when those things were going on and some people would use terms and just language that would just not be okay, but then they would kind of use it as, oh, well, you're my Asian friend, so it's okay for me to do that. And I'm sure I have friends that have said, oh, well, I have gay friends, so it's okay, but it's not okay. You know, like you have to reflect and ask yourself, like, what does it mean to be an ally? Like it, just because you have gay friends, just because you have friends in the community doesn't mean you're necessarily an ally. I guess you have to define that yourself because it could mean anything. But I think it is really important for self-reflection to happen because I feel like some people might just think, oh, because I'm okay with so-and-so being this way, then that makes me educated or supportive or things like that. But when when they aren't in front of you, it's like they kind of become a different person, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I think like for me, it's easier to give examples whenever like I'm not talking about like my own community. So like the example that you're giving about friends or something saying to you that like you're, you're their Asian friend so that they get a pass for saying X, Y, and Z. To me, then that's now on me to be an ally for you and for me to let them know that what you just said was not okay and what you said was racist and what you said was inappropriate for these reasons. And maybe even like just knowing like the, the friend in the social circle is being an ally to me is not putting the pressure then on you to have to say why something isn't okay or why it's racist or X, Y, and Z. So for me, like when I look at allies that I want around me, I want other people to be able to step in and say why something is not okay or why why that shouldn't happen or what the corrective course of action would be without it having to be like me doing the educating. Um, I'm, I'm outspoken and I'm always happy to, to do that and to speak up and I have a loud voice and I have, you know, a white privilege and I'm kind of like a big guy that I can say things to people and feel comfortable that I'm not going to get any pushback. But there are tons of people and I would say, argue the majority of the queer community doesn't have the same privilege that I have. So whereas I feel comfortable speaking up and speaking out and being loud and, and saying why something wasn't okay, I would say the majority of my community does not have that same privilege. And for me to be an ally for them means that other people need to step in um, if they can, if they feel comfortable, if they feel safe, stepping in to protect those members of the community. And that to me is that allyship. Yeah, absolutely. That was great. So just to wrap things up, do you have any final advice, I guess, for anyone like struggling to come out or just anything that you might have forgotten that you wanted to say before we kind of wrap things up here? Yeah. So my best advice um, that I'm kind of like repurposing from somebody else that I, a speaker that I saw with my students earlier this year is just to kind of, you know, again, about internal reflection, about mental health, think about what makes you happy when you feel most like yourself. And then what can you do to create those spaces? in every aspect, every facet of your life to make yourself feel the most comfortable. So, you know, just thinking about if, for example, people who are struggling with coming out, think about what makes you happy. Think about what you're interested in, what you like, what you're attracted to, what, you know, what makes you feel the best about yourself. And then what can you do to kind of create those experiences, those spaces? Where do you need to go? Who do you need help with or help from in order to be able to create 
those spaces for yourself so that you can feel the most like yourself. And I think just starting there with that kind of like, you know, internal piece is a good first step. Obviously that's a scary step and that's, you're going to need support for that. So once you have kind of an idea of this is what I like, this is what makes me feel good. What makes me feel the most like myself then if you have a good idea about that and what spaces you need, then you can start looking for who can help you. And that's when I think you can, you know, start with therapy, say, this is what I like, this is who I am. And, you know, then from there, you can start to build ideas and start to just kind of take those baby steps. Um, I would say don't diminish the the anxiety or the trauma or the, the difficulty of the process. Everybody has their own story. Everybody has their own situation. So don't diminish any of the feelings that you're feeling about a situation. Know that you're not alone. Know that other people have been through similar things, but it's also your own story to tell. So um, just look for the supports. There are supports out there. There's or- national organizations. There's you know, local organizations. There's somebody there who you can talk to um, about what you're going through and you just need to, you need to find it. Wow. You are just so awesome. Thank you so, so much. Um, this has been great. It's been fa- fantastic to sit down virtually and get in tune with you. It was such a pleasure. And I know so many people are going to find value in what you've shared with us today. Um, before we hop off, could you also just plug all the ways that people can connect with you and just continue following your journey, um, social medias or anything like that? Yeah, of course. Thank you. Um, so I'm probably most active on Instagram. I do have Twitter. I have, um, TikTok, um, but I'm probably the most active on Instagram. Um, so my handles on all the, all my social media platforms are, uh, it's Mr. M R underscore me and my last name. So it's M E I G H E N. And I'm always happy to connect with people, talk with people, you know, again, share my story. want to hear about your story. You know, what can I do to help you? Um, that kind of thing. So always looking to meet new people from different parts of the world. That's how I got to meet you today, Jenny. That is awesome. Thank you once again, Mitchell. And thank you guys for tuning in today. Be sure to check out the last few episodes if you haven't already and drop a review on Apple Podcasts and be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Hustle Theory Podcast. Until then, I hope you all have an amazing productive day.